So we're part four of our series, Revealing the Unchanging God. That's what the series is, Revealing the Unchanging God, Exploring His Immutable Nature. It's a good title, don't you think? Yeah, <laughs> and so that's why I put it up there. It's pretty good. It makes me sound more intelligent than I am. Um, but Revealing the Unchanging God, because how well you know God determines how you relate to Him. Like, how well do you know God? Because whatever your picture of God is, that's your relationship with God. And this is what the series is all about. It's all about exploring who He is. So I want to ask you this question. How many in this room, and I'm going to ask you, if you agree with it, just put up your hand. How many in this room uh, would say that in society today, this loyalty, this loyalty is a significant problem? This loyalty, put your hand up if you think in society today that this loyalty is a significant problem. Okay, that's, that's a lot of hands. Just about everyone in this room put up their hands. So basically, most of you in this room really believe that in society to, uh, today that this loyalty is a significant problem. Well, here's another question. Put your hand up if you think that you're pretty, that you're pretty much, a lo- that you're a loyal person. Put if you think that you're a loyal person. Yeah. You're a loyal person? Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a lot of hands going up today. So in this room, we all agree that disloyalty is a problem. But in this room, everyone's pretty much loyal, right? <laughs> Which means that every, it's everyone else out there who are disloyal, but not in this room, because we're, we're pretty loyal in this room. And the reason why I ask this question is because, because disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. It's very difficult to see in the mirror. We say, hey, I'm loyal. I'm loyal, but hey, but the minute I'm not loyal, it's because you did something. And it's because you did something that drove me away. You, they pushed me to my limits, and that's why I did this. And that's the only reason why I'm not loyal. And that's, and, but however, if someone is disloyal to you, you're like, oh my gosh, can't believe that they're so disloyal to me. So it's very difficult to see in the mirror. In fact, I can tell you all day lo- long that I'm a loyal person, but at a pinch, I can be disloyal because quite often, we are loyal to ourselves. Most of us, we're just loyal to ourselves and our needs and, and, and what's best for me. In fact, one of the best biblical examples can be found in Matthew chapter 26. It's about this guy by the name of Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, he was part of his inner circle. So there was the 12 and there was the three. And, and Peter was a guy who said, Jesus, whatever it is, I will never leave you. I will be by yourself. I'm ready to die for you, Jesus. And he said this over and over again, that Jesus, I've got your back. I'm your man. I'm not like those losers over there. I'm with you through the long haul, through the difficulties, through the hardship. I'm your guy. Then we get to Matthew chapter 26, verse 33. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you. I love this. This is Peter. Even if if they all fall away, I never will. I never will. Verse 34, this is Jesus. Truly I tell you. Oh, truly. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I'm going to lay my life down for you. I will never disown you. And the other disciples said the same, Peter, no, actually, no, I'm more loyal than Peter. I don't know what we, this guy thinks he can walk on water. Well, okay, he did a little bit, but then he lost faith. But hey, not us, not us. And if you know the story, in fact, whether you're Christian or not, you're you're familiar with the story of Peter denouncing Jesus three times. In fact, that very night, Jesus is arrested 
Peter goes along and these people go up to you three times, three different accounts, different people to people come up to Peter. Hey, aren't you the, aren't you the, that guy that's, that hangs around, that guy of Jesus of Nazareth? He goes, no, no, not me. Then a second time, no, definitely not me. And, and, and then, well, I have no idea who that guy. And after the third person, the rooster crowed. Scripture goes and tells us that Peter goes out and he cries bitterly about this. Because here's, here's the thing. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. It's proven, not proclaimed. Because it's easy for us to say, I'm loyal to you. I'm, I'm loyal to you, Lord. I'm for you, God. But it's proven, but it's, it's not proclaimed. It's easy for us to say another thing to do. Because we say we're loyal, but as long as our needs are not being met, I'm no longer loyal. Think about that. I'm whatever, if you're loyal to your workplace, but as soon as your needs or an expectation is not by being met, then well, I'm out of here. God, I'm loyal to you. God, I'm, I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to stop doing everything that I was doing in the past, and I'm going to follow you until your prayers aren't being answered, until you go through hard times, until your expectations are not being met. We say we're loyal, but as soon, as soon as our expectations or what I expect out of this relation aren't being met, well, I'm no longer loyal. True loyalty is proven and not proclaimed. When the biblical authors begin to describe who God is, time and time again, in fact, the, the verse of the verse of our series is the most quoted verse within the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. In fact, this is God describing who he is to Moses. And he begins to describe his character and who he really is. Because how well you know God is how you relate to him. So God says this to Moses. The, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. See, when it comes to loyalty, God is more than just loyal, but he abounds in loyal love. In fact, the Hebrew word, that's, there's, there's one Hebrew word, but in, in our English translation, we, we have not got one word to best sum this up. So we, we have to do multiple words. And this one word, this he, in Hebrew, it means it, it describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty. It's an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep, personal care. It's motivated by deep personal care. That God, God, he, he is a, he, he's a promise keeper and he's loyal to you and it's motivated by his love for you. Even when you're not loyal to him, he will remain loyal to you. And, and the way that this is described in, 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 in scripture time and time again can be seen in the life of Ruth and the Bible. If you haven't read Ruth, read Ruth. That's the truth, Ruth. It's too early in the morning. Hey, it was a big day yesterday, the 21st. I'll tell you what. Um, someone said to me, hey, did you just sleep in your outfit? And, and I just said, look, I cannot uh, neither confirm nor deny my response to you right now. But anyway, let's carry on. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. And so the story of Ruth, just give you a bit of a background. Uh, uh, Ruth, uh, Ruth is, uh, she, she marries an Israelite man and tragically her husband dies. Her husband, oh sorry, Ruth is a foreigner. 
get the story right. Ruth is a long night. Ruth is a foreigner and she, and she marries an Israelite man. And, and as, we, as you read the story, her husband dies, her brother-in-law dies, and her father-in-law dies. All Ruth has left is her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi. That's all she has. And Naomi has nothing to give her. Nothing to give her. And if you don't have a husband, you've got, you, you got there's a couple of options. You can either be, become a beggar, you can become a prostitute, or you can go and get married. Find someone else to marry, right? And so, and so that was her option before her. But listen, listen to this and listen to what Ruth says. Um, Ruth chapter 1 verse 16. But Ruth replied, because she, she's urging them to leave. Don't, oh sorry, Naomi. Ruth, Naomi. So Naomi tells them, go. I've got nothing to give you. Go get, go get married. Be a husband. I can't, I can't supply any of your needs. If you're with me, you're most likely going to die. This is what she's saying to her daughter-in-laws because there's two of them. One goes, she's crying, she leaves. And so Ruth, Ruth, and so this is Ruth's response. I get Ruth and Naomi, verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I love this story because Ruth, for her, there's no, there's, there's no riches. There's nothing, there's, Naomi has no more kids to give her to become her husband. She's got nothing. But yes, she proclaimed loyalty and she proved it by moving with her to her country. I love Ruth. No matter what it costs me, no matter what everyone thinks about this, oh my gosh, you're going to stay with Naomi? Go get yourself, you're a young lady, go get married. No matter what they, she stayed with Ruth. See, with, she, Ruth stayed with Naomi. Oh my gosh, I need some help this morning. I need some help this morning. I love that. See, Ruth, Ruth wasn't loyal up to a point. She wasn't, her loyalty wasn't based on conditions. These are the conditions to my loyalty. Her loyalty was, I'm going to be with you forever. Because that's what loyalty means, forever. I love this. God honors Ruth. Not only does Ruth, she, she gets married, but marries Boaz. But God honors Ruth's loyalty even more because she becomes the great-grandmother of King David. King David. This foreign woman. She wasn't born a Jew. She's married in. God blesses her. Becomes the great-grandmother of King David and ultimately the direct descendant of Jesus Christ. God honors loyalty. Loyal love, an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. This is who God is. This is who He is. And more because He abounds in loyal love. Which makes the next passage even more challenging when we read it, because we've just been reading only, this, the, our verse of the series is only one part. We haven't actually read it in context. Let's read it in context, because the next part is a bit confusing, it's a bit challenging, and it's hard for us, and we, sometimes it's, it's really uncomfortable to read. Let's read Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 to 7. Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. Verse 7. Keeping Loyal love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. That's great. 
Then it goes on. But he by no means leaves the guilty unpunished, responding to the transgressions of fathers by dealing with children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. Ouch. I was going, what? Wait a minute. What happened to loyal love? You just, just said it and, and now you what? Does God, does God hold us accountable for the mistakes of appearance? The mistakes that appearance have made, are, are we punished because of the things they have done wrong? And that's really easy for us to, to see that and read that. And, and when we read it out of context and when we don't know who God is. But when we dig a little deeper, we'll begin to see that God is saying, is, is saying anything else. He's not bringing the wrath of his punishment on innocent children because of the actions of their parents. He's not saying that. And that is not what this verse is saying either. God is warning his people and each, that each generation will be held accountable if they repeat the sins of previous generations. Let me say that again. God is warning his people that each generation will be held accountable if they repeat the sins of previous generations. So it's not based upon what my parents have done. If they've done something, it's on them. But if I go and do the same as what they did, well then, hey, I'm being held accountable to what I've done. I've just repeated what I've seen. And this is the challenge as parents, right? With your kids. Because, you know, it's like... Uh, Kids, the kids see more than they just listen. Yeah, don't do what, don't, don't do what I do, just do what I say. Because what I do is totally opposite. And kids see the way you, you, you perform and you act and how you treat people nicely, yet you, tr you treated that shopkeeper terribly. And they see that and they learn that. They learn these practices. And this is what this passage is talking about. Let's be careful. If you find, if church is just an option for you, then it's meaningless for your children. If you go, hey, it's all good. You know, I can be a Christian at home. I can be, I don't have to go to church. You know, that's in scripture, that's impossible. Because the word church, Jesus, uh, Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The word church means ecclesia. The word ecclesia is a gathering of people coming together for purpose. He's calling his people to gather together, not be isolated because the enemy will do all he can to isolate you to make you upset, to make you disloyal. Well, just as long as I believe in Jesus, she'll be right, mate. Well, hey, and here's the thing. The, and the enemy of God loves this. Loves you to make you think that you can be a Christian at, at home by yourself, raising your children. We can just do it at home. Because if church becomes an option to you, it becomes meaningless to your children. And it's really interesting. This verse doesn't just come out of nowhere. When we read it in context and what just happened, this whole passage God is, when God says this, when he, when he, when he, when he says that he, he by no means leaves the guilty or punished responding to transgressions of the fathers by dealing with children and the children, he's re-quoting what he said when he gave the Ten Commandments. In fact, when he, when he gave the second commandment, do not make yourself an idol. Don't go after anything else. Because if you begin to do that, your kids begin to go out. If you begin to go after other things, that lead you away, they will begin to go after other things. And, and this third and fourth generation thing goes, oh, so God lets the fifth generation off the hook? So if I do something wrong, it's going it's to punish my children to the third and fourth generation, but the fifth generation is all good? No, no, no this doesn't mean. But third and fourth generation is a Hebrew idiom for whatever it takes, however long it takes. If they keep repeating it, 
They keep repeating it. They keep rep- they'll be held accountable. We'll be held accountable to what we do. So God doesn't hold you accountable to what your parents have done unless we continue in that. And this is what this whole passage is going on about. Because we read it in a passage. We're, we're, and so, so God is he's forming a covenantal people through a relationship and he gathers them together. And, he's, and, and, and he gives them the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like a marriage. And I've used this illustration many times of a, of a man and woman coming together and they're giving their vows to one another. I will be loyal to you. And this is what they do. They play, God pledges his loyalty to Israel and, and Israel pledges their loyalty to God. Yes, we'll be loyal to you. And then the very next day, here we go, Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, when, when Moses is up going to see God the second time, he's gone. He's gone for a long time, 40 days and 40 nights. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses, in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1 to 4, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron said, come on. They said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to that fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. They don't say, hey, you know what? I don't know what happened to a leader. He's gone for, should we see if he's okay? He might've broken his leg. Let's, let's go and care for him. They're like, you know what? Let's get a new leader. <laughs> let's get a new leader, right? Because, you know, uh, it was going well. Things were going good. You know, but now, I don't know. You know, let's get another leader and then we'll be loyal to that leader. Because we're loyal to, we're loyal to you as long as our expectations are being met. As long as my needs are being met, but as soon as he's got, uh, things are starting to get rough, let's get a new leader. Verse, let's go to verse 4. Then Aaron took the gold, and they got gold with the gold earrings, mounted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O oh Israel, these are the gods, these are the Elohim who brought you out of the land of Egypt. This is the equivalent of the bride kissing one of the groomsmen on the wedding night, or the groom kissing one of the bridesmaids on the wedding night. This is the equivalent of what happened here. So God just gave this to the people and they say, hey, you know, don't, don't, don't make yourself gold uh, idol and they go and do it. They said, God said, I'll be loyal to you. And the people said, yes, we'll be loyal to you. And so God gets down and begins to share who he is to Moses. And with all that happening, the people being disloyal to him, God forgives them. And he begins, continues to be their God. They may be disloyal to him, but God's in it for the long haul. And he's in it for the long haul for you too. Because you will make mistakes. There'll be times where you will be disloyal. But God's in the long haul with you. He'll never give up on you. Why? Because Yahweh, Yahweh, he's compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. That's who he is. That's who he is. See, God does not punish children for their parents' sin. He doesn't do that. But God does punish each generation if we do not learn from the former generation. And this and this passage is there for us because remembering the past helps us not to repeat it. Remembering the past helps us not to repeat it. When we don't know the past, when we don't know our history, we fall back into it again. 
and remembering the past and remembering your past sins. It's not like saying, you know, when we fall into trouble and we try to get it out of our minds, but remembering it keeps us, I'm not going back there. I know what it's like. And don't miss the contrast that God makes in these verses. Generational accountability lasts through the third and the fourth, however long it takes. But God's loyal love lasts for thousands of generations. Thousands. It's more than three and four, which means he is loyal. He never stops. So what does this mean for us? It means that when we rightly, when we rightly remember past wrongs, and I say rightly, not like remembering our past wrongs that, that gets us down, I'll never get out of this. I'll never get better. That's wrong. But when we rightly, I remember this is where I was. That's, that's where I was. This is where I am, and this is where I'm heading. When we rightly remember past wrongs, we open ourselves up to the opportunity to do things differently. And people in this room have fam- family members who have done things, parents who have done things. And the reason why you're here is because you decide, I'm not going to be like that. And that's what this passage is, is about. And God doesn't hold you accountable to what your parents have done. But it brings it up, gives us an opportunity to remember the, the past to help us turn and become not only better for our own lives, but those around us. And this is what this passage is all about. It's the key for us to do things differently. And for centuries, Israel continued to betray God. Not just this moment. You read scripture. For centuries, they continue to betray him. And, and humanity as well. Humanity has a history of violence and death. But God still kept his promises. He kept it in a, in a dramatic and drastic way because he loved you so much that he steps into humanity, steps into creation, and he, and he binds himself in flesh in the fullness of Jesus. Because even though you were disloyal to you, he was loyal to you, and he made a way for you. And he laid down his life for you. Because true loyalty is proven, not just proclaimed. God wasn't just saying, hey, look, my loyal love abounds forever. He proved it by stepping into creation in the fullness of Jesus. Could I just say, just as a, as a end, this whole generational curses, don't get bound up in it. So easy for you to get it. We hear from people, you know, there might be something, there's a curse on your life that someone has done, your parents, what's happened in your life. Let's see if we can, we can find it. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, we, and that is to say, hey, they did that, I'm going to turn away from, but that has no control over you unless we give it control. Unless we give her power. Don't give her any power. Yes, it happened in my family. And yes, there started patterns happening in my life right now. But right here, I'm making a decision. I'm changing. I'm repenting of that. And that's what we meant to not. We're not bound by it. Oh, the reason why I'm like this is because this has happened. No, the reason why you're like this is because you've made a decision. It's your, it's your decision. Yes, this has happened. But at the end of the day, we make decisions. It's easy to defer responsibility. Defer to what everyone else has done. How many here come from families that didn't believe in God? Right? There's his hands going up. So 
therefore, if, if we take it, well, you know, if you, this has happened in your life, therefore your children are going to punish. Here you are today. God doesn't hold you accountable, but you're here today. You're here today. There's nothing that can hold you back. No generational curse, no matter what someone said over your family. Nothing's more powerful than the name of Jesus. We, just, we can look to the past and we remember what happened and we make a decision. You've got to make a decision. Your parents, your family, within your families, there might be cycles of drugs and alcohol, whatever. But you make that decision. You can give it power or you can go to the one who has all authority. Jesus. All authority. I'm, I'm a Cook Island Park here. My mum's Cook Island. My dad's Park here. And uh, in our lineage, we, we, um, we, we arrived, my dad's side, we arrived here in Aotearoa back in the 1860s. Topiri Ngārawa here. So that ties into that. And they came here and they were engineers. They were very successful. They laid down the mines. The, uh, very wealthy family that came. And I said to my dad, where's their wealth? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But unfortunately, my great-great-grandfather, there was a history of alcohol and gambling, debauchery for all the wealth that they had. And my great-great-grandfather had squandered it, lost it all through gambling. I'll make that my great-grandfather. I realized my great-grandfather. I was telling the story to my kids. My great-grandfather lost it all. He was a drunk, almost died. He was drunk on, a, on his horse riding home and he almost got hit by a train. But the horse stopped. Well, I guess the horse didn't want to get hit by a train. <laughs> but there's times of life and, and his son, my grandfather, he grew up vowing that he will never be like his father. And he made a decision to follow God, to love God of all his heart. And he never drank alcohol, never let alcohol touch his lips. All his life he saw it. But he made a decision saw it through his life, but you can make a decision. Regardless of your past, regardless of what's happened in your family, you get to choose. You can give things power, say, well, this, you don't understand, this is, this is my family, this is, this is the environment I came out of, this is, this is the town I came out of, this is what my family does, and this is why I am like this today. Well, that was my past. This is who I am, and I look to one of all authority. Because his loyal love abounds for you. His loyal love abounds. Let us be people who, who get precious. Oh, you offended me. You did this. You were, I'm no longer loyalty to you. But say, hey, like how God's in it for the long haul, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm here. I'm not just saying that so I can make sure you guys come back next week. <laughs> Are you in it for the long haul? Going to two services. <laughs> but then uh, Yahweh Yahweh compassionate and gracious slow to anger abounding in loyal love and faithfulness so Father we thank you